No matter what we do, we have to continue to be reminded that the mission for us is to lead all people from all places to be all in with Jesus. That is the mission we've been given. It's our way of communicating. It's our way of putting into words the uh, instructions that Jesus gave us to make disciples, uh, to lead all people from all places to be all in with Jesus. And as we fulfill that, that means we're going to grow and grow and grow. That's just part of it. And I know there are times when we like to keep things small and we like to be uh, able to be around the familiar and people that we know. We want to be known and all those things. And that's incredibly important. But we also know things that don't grow are not healthy. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite. And we, won't want to, we don't want to be that way. And we also know that God's created us to be more than a club of people who know each other and then we put a cross on it. Say, well, we're a little more than a club because we have this element of faith. It's more than that. If we are actually a church, it means we have a mission to lead all people. And some of you are slowly beginning to see the fruits of that as you're coming together and atmospheres God's allowed us to create and you're beginning to find your faith. Uh, this morning after the first service, I was able to talk to a man who's his literal words were, he said, I really thought I had things figured out, but now I realize I had this hole and I don't know how to put it into words, but the hole is gone. So I just thank you for that. And that was all he had to say. And, I, and that is God's kingdom coming alive in people's lives, leading all people from all places to be all in with Jesus. But we also know here at the bridge that we have this little vibe of home, uh, of knowing each other, of feeling like we can have a home, a home that's built on hope. And that's a, a good thing. And when we first started, it was just, you know, 15 of us looking around going, I don't know if this is going to last or not, but we want to make sure that we love on each other the best we can and encourage each other the best we can. And so everybody's sharing cell phone numbers and we know everyone lives and we could talk insider language like, hey, after the service, we'll all go meet at so-and-so and that wasn't a big deal. Then as God began to grow us, things have changed and now we're at a point of trying to figure out what to do spatially here because we know it's getting a little tight and that's a good thing. But how do we continue to help people feel at home while we continue to fulfill the mission God has for us? How do we make sure people don't feel like they're just a seat or just a number and yet continue to be faithful to what God's called us to do? Well, we do that with the second part of our strategy. Last week was number one. We gather to celebrate Jesus. We're created for it. We're commanded to do it. Maybe that's why some of you came back. You were going to stay in and sleep in today, but you remembered last week's message, had a little guilt trip happening, thought, no, I'll just come back. I can't on week two just say no more. Uh, so you're here again. I'm glad you are. Uh, but we're going to look at the second part of that strategy today, which is to connect, but not just to connect, to connect, to grow. And when you see gather, connect, and serve, you won't maybe always see the to grow part, but that's a really important component there. Because we're not just connecting with each other so that we can have friends. We're not just connecting just so that we'll be known or people will know who we are. It's much more than that. We've been created and we've been commanded to grow, to become more and more and more like Jesus himself. And God works that through us, he transforms our lives in the context of people. Most of the time, we don't just go alone, shut our door, and spiritually grow. It's in the context of community and being with people. And that's always been God's plan. Uh, God created us from the very beginning for relationship. In fact, if you look closely at Genesis, it says, let us create man 
in our image. There was this relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and there, there's a relationship there. We're created in that image, and we were created to connect. God looked at Adam, the first person in the garden, and Adam hadn't messed things up yet. He hadn't put his job on the shelf yet. He was still walking with God, hearing his voice as clearly and more clearly, I guess, than you're hearing my voice right now. He hadn't made a mistake. Sin had not ever entered into the picture. He was not falling down on the job. He was doing everything he was supposed to do in honoring God, and yet God still looked at him and said, it's not good that you're alone. I'm going to bring someone in. And it wasn't just to procreate, just to populate the earth that he gave Adam, Eve. It was also this sense in which he was made for relationship. It's not good that you are alone. We were created for community from the very beginning. And some of you don't necessarily enjoy being around a lot of people, and I get that, but we're, we've been given this created need to connect with and have relationships with people. Now, we've tried to create relationships in a way that are not very intimidating or they don't, you know, impose on us. We create our own relationships, and they don't always work. Sometimes they're virtual. That way we can control them. I mean, you know, we can be in charge there. But God's created us for much more than that. And when God said things are going to go off the rails, and when they do, I want you to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray, when my people, my people, if my people who are called by my name will pray. Later on, Jesus prayed for us and said, God, may they be one, just like you and I are one. There's a desire for people to come together. But it's not just to have a feeling, it's actually to grow. Um, in the 80s, there was a show called Cheers, and the song was, I want to go where everybody knows my name, basically. It was, everybody knows your name, but that, that was the cry of it. I want to know everybody. I want people to know me. I want to be known. I want to be missed. I want this to be my place. And in a way, we look at that and say, well, that's kind of self-centered. That's a little bit selfish, a little prideful. But it's really just more evidence that God created us for relationship to be known. We all want to be known. Even if we don't want to be bothered, we want to be recognized. Even if we don't want to be imposed upon, we still want people to recognize, acknowledge, to know we're here. We want to be missed. That's who we are. We were created for that. So for us, as we try to figure out what that is, we have to look into Scripture and say, what are relationships for and how can we form those? In Proverbs, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So this idea that you and I are better at being the people God created us to be because we have people in our lives who are sharpening us. And if you know anything about sharpening iron, which all of you look very blacksmithy, if you know anything about sharpening iron, you know that you're actually able to make it sharper by taking two different metals, not the same metals. And you and I live in a world where we want to be around people that like us, that are like us, that represent our morals and our values and our politics and our socioeconomic levels. We want to be around people like us. And God says, actually, you're sharper when you're around people that are very different than you. When you're around people that have different perspectives, when you have people that come from different places, that's how we sharpen each other. So and that's, that's the challenge for us. How do we find some of those connections? How are we able to connect with people that we don't know really well? Because some of you have a lot of friends, but you don't really have anyone in your life 
that will challenge you, that will stand by you, that will say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Why would you do that? Why are you with her? Why are you talking with him? They literally cares enough about you to be in your life. And it's hard to find those people, even when you have a ton of friends. There's a movie called Tombstone, a little bit after Cheers, that uh, most of the men in this place, if not some of the ladies, have watched multiple times. And in that movie, Doc Holliday is deciding to stand with Wyatt Earp in the end. And one of the other guys in their group says, man, why would you do this? You're, you're not well. You need to be in a hospital. You need to be in a bed at least. Why are you with him? He says, Wyatt Earp is my friend. And the guy turns and says, well, I got all kinds of friends. And then Doc Holliday has that impactful and powerful line. He says, well, I don't. And honestly, that's where most of us are. We've got people, and we're surrounded at times by people, but we don't really have a lot of those friends. And God says, that's an important part of you growing. Now, sometimes those just happen. They just, we fall into them almost. And it's happened to me a couple of times in my life. I just connected with someone. We realized we were a little alike, but we also had some differences, and we just had something that was going to make each other better. And we enjoyed being around each other. It was a little bit of a challenge because of our differences, but we knew we made each other better. There are other times when I've, I could have had the discipline and self-control to make it happen, but didn't. And some of you do. Some of you are so disciplined and so on fire with where you want to be in your life that you have selected certain people and you've put them in your lives and maybe you meet with them regularly or communicate with them regularly and you have that kind of relationship, but most of us don't. We don't have the discipline to do that. We don't have the courage to reach out and try to create a relationship with someone that we're not sure is going to be on board with us. And most of us just don't fall into incredible relationships. Most of the time, we need a little help. And so that's what we're trying to do with the second part of our strategy is we want to create opportunities for you to connect with people who are different with you, but actually value some of the same things. And then together, you're better. And together, you're actually stronger. So I've asked Susanna Powers, one of our staff members, to come and share with you a little today. She doesn't always get the opportunity to share, and some of you throw a lot of things on her that really aren't hers because you're just not sure. With a small, lean staff, you're not sure who is in charge of what, and you throw a lot on her. But Susanna is a really powerful, powerful woman of God, and she helps us out a ton, does a lot, and she's helping right now with our connect groups. And I wanted her to be able to share a little bit today. So give a bridge welcome to Susanna as she comes up. So like Chad said, we do want everybody who calls the bridge home to not just gather with us, but we want you to connect. We want to know that you're connecting. We want to know that you're a part of church, not just that you're in church or in this building, but we want to know that you are in the word. We want to know that you're in a good place with God, that you're in a good place with people, that you're in a good place in life. And we want to know that you found your place in the family of God and that you found your place here at the bridge. And so the best way that happens is in groups. So this time on Sunday mornings, it is um, all about celebrating Jesus. We gather to celebrate Jesus, and it is vitally important and probably our favorite time of the week, but it's just the beginning. It doesn't end here to really grow in our faith um, and in our understanding of who God is and who we are. We need to connect. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in terms that Jesus might have used as he was teaching. We want you to be healthy sheep in a well-tended flock with a good shepherd. 
healthy sheep and a well-tended flock with a good shepherd. And I know most of us aren't agriculture people. Most of us don't interact with sheep very much. But I think Jesus is teaching us something very important in John chapter 10. That's where he says, he says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So he says, my sheep hear my voice over the clutter and in the fray and with all the confusion and all the noise and all the voices in our world, they hear my voice and they follow me. And that kind of relationship and that kind of opportunity is available to all of us. Everybody through Christ can know the good shepherd and be led by him. But if you're like me, sometimes in order to stay close to him and to stay in relationship with him, to not let the noise and the clutter of this world drown out his voice, um, to not be taken down by a predator, he also calls us into a flock. He calls us into his flock where he is the shepherd. He knows that there is power in the group and he knows there's danger in running out on our own. And he says in that same chapter, he says, these sheep of mine, my flock, they'll go in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture. They'll find rest. And it's sort of this picture of what church can be. Um, If we think about it, like we come into church and we'll have all that we're looking for, the place that um, we know we're cared for, where we're fed, where things are in order and our lives are looking like they should be. And then we'll be ready to go out into the world. So it's this going in and this going out. Yes, connected to the shepherd, but knowing that the shepherd wants to put you in a flock. So not just going solo out here or listening online and when possible coming on Sunday morning or thinking, I'm in church, I'm a part of church, I went last Sunday or I'm going next Sunday and not realizing that somehow you're not growing the way that God wants you to be growing or you're not serving the way that God wants you to be serving or you're just not experiencing the power of God in your life. And all the while in church, but somehow just getting lost or wandering off or feeling alone. And whether it's lost in the crowd or just lost in life, I think we all know the best way to keep from getting lost is to be found in a group, to be found in community with other people. And that's the way God intended it from the beginning. Like Chad said, it's how he created us. All the way from creation to the book of Acts, when the church started, we see that we're not supposed to go through life alone. The early church was about both the big and the small, the gathering together in big crowds for teaching and worship and then meeting together in homes. Um, And that's when the church exploded, when we're doing both of those together and they're working together. The church is stronger than it's ever been. But somehow along the way, we've made this subtle shift where we say, hey, if I show up to the big thing, I'm good, and then I can go and I can do my thing and live my life and go my own way. But that's just not the way Christianity works. That's not the way the early church was born. That's not God's intention and plan for you or me. His plan is for you to be in community and in that community to grow and become everything that he wants you to be. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, I'm good. I listen to my worship music. I I catch a message online every now and then. Um, I've got a couple of friends that I text back and forth with. That is wonderful. But I want you to um, know there are some reasons why we need the group here at church, why we need to connect, and why a connect group may be just what the Good Shepherd wants for you. So first, groups are the place where you can be known and know you're not alone. So Chad was saying the cheers line, and it's hard for me not to sing it in my head, but it's, you know, it's that song, you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. And then that next line, it says, you want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. 
And that's community. That's getting in there in life and going, oh, I'm not the only one struggling. We're not the only one, um, the only people having a hard time in this area. We're not defective or Turns out there's other defective people, right? And I can see that now because I'm not isolated over here trying to compare myself to everything that I see on social media or thinking that everybody has it together. I've actually got people in this circle who care for me and they know my name. And we strive for that on Sunday mornings. We, um, we have our welcome team greeting. We have our kids teachers and our coffee crew and they all want to know you. We want to know you. But in a connect group, you are known. And everybody knows your name. You don't need a name tag, right? Everybody knows when you walk through the door. Everybody knows your name. Hopefully, they're glad you came, right? But then just think how it would change Sunday mornings. If you had this group that was meeting through the week, imagine you walk into this place, and there's faces that you know, a group of people who know you, and they're excited to see you. And so you come in, and you sit down, and you worship God with the people you're close with, fully known, fully seen, fully loved, That's what God wants for us. So if you're walking in here and walking out and never really getting to know anyone, you're missing out. We want you to be known and to know that you're not alone. The second thing that happens in groups is that you're cared for and you care for others. So our team wants that. We want um, everyone to know that we care. We want everyone to be cared for. And as our church continues to grow, it just gets a little bit harder. And so we know that care is done best through connect groups. It's the small pockets of church and these small groups where we can share our needs and share our struggles and have others come alongside us and support us and help us. And not only that, but you also get to care for others when you're a part of group. You don't just show up and say, let me tell you my story. You show up and you listen to other people's stories. And so maybe this week it's about people praying for you, but next week it's praying for someone else. Maybe this week they're meeting your need, but next week you are understanding someone else's need. And you don't have to have a plan or even permission. You just say, hey, I see you have a problem. I see you have a need. I can meet that need. I'm going to meet that need. I've been cared for. I'm going to care for somebody else. I've been served. I'm going to serve somebody else. And that just doesn't usually happen in a big gathering like this. There's just not usually a time in a big gathering where you go, oh, I see so-and-so over there and she needs help. Let me go care for her. It's in a group is when it happens where people can share the hard stuff and then experience healing just by telling the truth, feeling really deeply known, having needs met, still loved and supported. And that's what we do in groups. We care for each other, and we remind each other of what's true, and we point each other toward God. And that's the third thing about groups. Your understanding of God will grow when you are in a group. And I know some of you think, no, I can grow with God by my, by, by, just fine all by myself. But the Scripture gives us a different perspective. It's many verses in Scripture, but I especially love how it says it in Ephesians chapter 3. I think you'll see it on the screen here in a second. It's where Paul says, I pray that you, and that's talking about all you guys together, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, which is us, together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I think that verse tells us a couple of things. One, that we need to put down roots. It's very unlikely that without being a part of a community that you're actually going to develop the kind of root that's necessary to grow the fruit that you want. 
We all want the fruit, but we just have to look around and see what am I digging? What am I making sure is, is right in the soil, making sure I'm rooted? And, you know, I want my life to be like this, or I want God to do this, or I want this favor in my life, or I, I want my life to end up here. And that's all great, but you have to put the root down to get the fruit. You have to be rooted in truth. And that's happening in a connect group where we're growing together, rooted and established in love. And the second thing this verse tells us is that you're not going to comprehend the width and the breadth and the height and the depth of God's love for you and the world all by yourself. It happens together with all the saints. It happens in community. It happens in a group. And the, the really wonderful um, thing is, is that Jesus is present in the group. We know that verse where two or three gather in the name of Jesus, he is there. And that doesn't mean he isn't somewhere else. It just means there's a way to know him that's even more powerful when you're in the community of other people who know him. And you gather not just for the sake of gathering, but you gather in his name. And so lastly, in a group, you are covered and stronger. And that's why we need a group. Our good shepherd puts his sheep in a flock because a flock stays strong. There's strength in numbers. And if you think about one of those shows on the Nature Channel, you know, you watch a nature show on TV, it's always the little animal that's out there on its own by itself that the predator stalks, right? It's the little gazelle or the little goat or the little sheep that runs away from the group. That's the one that gets taken down. That's the one that ends up as prey. So there's a reason we're built for this. We need each other. When we go out on our own, when we think we don't need anyone, when we think we're okay, when we're disconnected, that is when we tend to fall apart and make terrible decisions and get taken down by the enemy. We need the flock. We need each other. So we're not just encouraging you to connect because we think you need friends. We know you have friends. We'd love for you all to be friends here. And that happens in small groups all the time, and that's definitely an added benefit. But that's not the reason we're encouraging you to connect. We are encouraging you to connect because we were created to connect. We were created to grow. We were created to become more like him, and that just doesn't happen in isolation. We need each other, and we need to connect so that we can grow. We want to be healthy sheep in a well-tended flock led by the Good Shepherd. And so Chad's going to come back up here and tell you some of the ways that we are going to do that this year. Thank you very much, uh, Susanna, for sharing. And uh, I get a chance now to let you know how we're going to do that. Um, we've got groups that are going to start right after Labor Day, and we've got a few different uh, ways to do that. We've got some traditional small groups, which is, sounds funny to say for me who grew up in traditional Sunday school. Now it's traditional small groups, old school small groups that go into a home just with a group of people and have, have their time there. We've got a few traditional small groups. We also have our Tuesday night men's group and women's groups that are going to start back right after Labor Day, I guess the, the, the Tuesday after Labor Day, the next day. We'll be beginning here, and uh, I guess there are small groups. They're kind of medium groups in a way, um, and we had this as our first transition into connecting after the pandemic had kind of, you know, I'd say stopped because it hasn't, but whatever. Anyway, we were able to come back together. No politics. I had to come back together in this and be able to be back uh, as a family and connect, not be afraid of one another. And one of the first things we did was to have our ladies' groups all come together here and men's groups in the lobby area there. Um, and they turned into something that we really could not have expected. And uh, the ladies' groups 
became more about uh, leadership development and ladies who had never really taken the lead said, I'm going to lead my table group and our table is now going to consider itself a small group. So we have all these other little small groups that are actually meeting together on Tuesday. So that might be a better option for you. Uh, men, same thing except in the front room and, and less of a desire to maybe discuss, but we still have it going on. But that, I think that's kind of par for the course, right? Um, the men are done in 45 minutes. The ladies are struggling to be done an hour and a half at times. That's just kind of kind of the way that thing rolls. I'll talk to some friends and they'll say, yeah, I was done in the parking lot waiting on the wife, you know, and it just kind of took a little bit longer. So uh, we know that life change is happening. And if you've never really connected in that way, that's a next step for you. Not saying one is better than the other. It just works in different ways. Our, our desire is not to have you conform to our idea of how this ought to look. It's just to make sure you're not doing life alone. Um, I don't know how many times, but it has been hundreds and hundreds of times where I've sat in front of someone who was in a crisis and they just said in their own way, but pretty much verbatim, I am so alone. I am so alone. And I always want to just snap back in a very insensitive way. Why didn't you take advantage of the time before the crisis of making sure you were connected? But I know that's just not the time. But we're so alone, we don't really think about it until we're in trouble. And take advantage of the time that perhaps you have right now to be able to connect with people that are different from you, not just people that you would connect with on the soccer field or at school and your kids or at work or wherever you go to, um, people who are actually different, but they have the same kinds of values. If you're a teenager, we do that on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. They have their own meeting there. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, God's doing some really, really cool things and growing there, and I'm excited about what is in store. That's your time. The little bitty ones are doing their small group right now as they're connecting with other second, third, fourth graders, and they're doing their thing on their age level. Adults, you've got to take ownership, though, of your own faith and decide if you're going to connect in that way. I mean, it's not always about you needing it, therefore you're in it. Sometimes you need to be there because other people need you. When my wife and I were first married, we were in our first small group, and it was made up of newlyweds. So there was a lot, it was, it was a pretty entertaining situation there. We'd all meet together, and you've got men and women, people been married for like four weeks, and stuff was just hitting the fan. And so I was able to look at Christy, we'd get in the car and just kind of go, we got this. Like, it was just, yeah, like I felt so much better about myself as a husband and a man when I would leave that group after hearing all the stuff that was going on. But inevitably, we had our own trials along the way, and I was able to go back to some of those same guys from years earlier that we had been connected with and say, man, just pray for us here. Give me some wisdom here, whatever the case may be. It was an incredibly important time, but we were there in many ways as an encouragement to the others. Because what we do, and you know this, people who are discouraged hang around a circle of discouraged people. People who are fearful hang around a circle of afraid people. People who are hopeless hang around a lot of other hopeless people. So you begin to think, well, everybody's this way. Everybody's life is just this train wreck of anxiety and fear and hopelessness and, and discouragement. It's actually not. There's a lot of hope going on right outside of your circle, and you need to be a part of that. If you're struggling with selfishness, you need to be around some servants. If you're struggling with fear, you need to be around some people who have strong faith. If you're struggling with discouragement, you need to be around some people with joy. 
And if you're the person in the room with joy, people need your joy. If you're the one that's full of hope, people need your hope. This might not just be about you saying, do I really need this? This might be about you saying, other people need this right now. For whatever reason, by the grace of God, I'm in a place where I'm at peace and I'm, I'm in a way, relatively content, or I'm full of joy, whatever the case may be, you may need to be with him. You may need to one day just wake up and say, I've got so much joy, people need what I have. And then the next night, you might need to hang out with the humility group after that. But regardless, (laughs) if you've got it, like it needs to be a part. People need to get that. It is contagious, good and bad. And, And so your next step may not be to rescue you from anything. It might be to be a part of God's family to the point where others are going to look back and they're going to say, my life changed the day that dude came into my life. And you're going to think, I just showed up. I didn't want to be here. But your presence ended up being the beginning of an effect that changed those lives. God works that way with us, and we need each other in that way. So later on today, I hope you'll go on the website, bridgeclarksfield.com, go to the small groups area, look at those connect groups, see which one might work for you, sign up for one of those traditional small groups, or begin to go ahead and make plans that you're going to be a part the first Tuesday in September or the first one after Labor Day, whatever the date is, I think the 6th maybe, something like that, Um, Tuesday night here at 6 o'clock as you begin groups. If you're a teenager, I encourage you to uh, prayerfully consider being a part of Wednesday nights. There's nothing scarier for a teenager than to show up in a place that he or she doesn't know what's going on and doesn't want to be a part. I know it's messed up, but I look back now and I'm so thankful for a few of those pivotal relationships that God formed in my life uh, during those years. As I didn't have a choice. Dad was like, you're going. I was like, but dad, they're weird. You're going to go. And I was so thankful because those weirdos changed my life. Um, and I'm sure they're telling the story, and I was the weirdo in the group. I, I realize that. Um, but we needed each other. Uh, we really did. And God used us uh, to transform those kinds of lives. Now, what I want us to do here as we close up is I want us to, together as a family, pray that God would continue what he started in us, that we would be prepared to be able to move forward with the mission that he has for us because we can't do it together. But I want us to do this in a little bit of an old school way. When I was a kid growing up, it usually happened on Sunday nights that sometimes we would close out the service and we would pray and they would make you kind of go across the aisles and grab a hand. And that was one of the most frightening things you could ever ask someone to do, you know, in a place. So I'm not going to do that, but I am going to ask us to kind of meet halfway. So if you would just stand uh, where you are for just a moment. If you're here and you're in a significant relationship, um, I want you to reach out and grab that hand and hold it. Now, before you do that, though, make sure that she knows you're in a significant relationship. (laughs) If you're having a mental significant relationship with her and she's not having it with you, don't do that. But if, if you both agree that we're in a relationship... Grab that hand. It might even be the first time you've held hands all day, and and she'll be thankful. So grab a hand. Um, Now, I know sometimes because God wired us all differently, we're different levels of affection. So girls, if you're next to a friend that's a girl, and you're like, you know what, we're cool, just reach out and grab a hand. You don't lock fingers, though, like those couples around you are doing. You just kind of grab it like this. Uh, Grab a hand where you are. And men, um, look at the man near you and just kind of like... I got you. Like, our hearts are connected, but 
We don't need to touch flesh. Like our, our hearts were kind of in there together. And that's, so this is our version of all holding hands and being one in the family of God. So let's, uh, let's bow and let's pray together. Uh, God, we are your people. In some ways, I and others around here are, are shepherds. But the truth is we are all sheep and you are the great shepherd. And without you, we are lost, we are alone, we are helpless, and we are very vulnerable. But God, you promise to protect us, and you promise that even if one of us gets left alone, you'll leave all the rest, and you'll go after that one. And many of us are surrounded by friends and maybe even family, but I also know that there are some in this room who feel like that one sheep that's alone and isolated and in danger, maybe in danger of giving up, in danger uh, of losing hope, in danger of uh, making really poor choices because no one's around to encourage. Whatever the danger is, they feel they're in danger. But God, there should be no excuse for that to happen in the family of God. We have people around us who need encouragement, and we have the encouragement to give. God, we have those around us who are going down a dark path, and they're headed for destruction, and there's someone in their lives that can see it. We just have to be willing to speak up and encourage and reach out a hand and bring them back. God, for those who are isolated, God, I know that poor decisions usually follow that. So maybe today is the day we all turn around and we face each other and realize that we cannot do this alone. We can't be the people you've created us to be without each other. We can't fulfill the mission you've given us without the people that we're next to and some that we're holding hands with and and we're near and we're singing with and we're praying with. We can't do this without each other. But together, if we take this responsibility seriously to connect, to grow, God, we can light up our community and light up our city, light up our campuses in a way that we cannot even begin to imagine. So God, I pray that your people would just follow your plan and see what you would do. For those who are surrounded by people but have no real solid friends, I pray that you would bring someone into their lives or utilize these atmospheres that we're able to create so that they can connect with someone else. And God, for those who do have those people in their lives, help us not to be lazy, but make sure that we're watching out for each other. We don't look back and wonder, what if we had just spoken up? What if we had just reached out a hand? What if... We had asked a hard question. Maybe things would have been different. God, we're responsible for each other, but we are your people. So work through us, work in us, transform us. Thank you for this family that you've created. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.